welcome to Atlanta Mix 108. Up next is Author Talk with your host, ML Roostrack. And they're and you you definitely would read them for that, but um, they're not 
never-ending dances of blade to blade. They're you know they really are brutal and fast, and you know it, it really is who's on that day. Um, a great sort of sideline to that is. You know, I, I trained and I competed, and uh, there's many times, uh, you know, where I was ranked in the top ten in the United States uh, in fighting. And the difference in a tournament of 600 black belts fighting, um, the difference between the number one guy and the guy who came in 600th was hundreds of a second. It wasn't like none of them were dangerous. It was that who was on that day and who was off. So um, I found... Uh, I find that a lot of times combat really isn't about isn't about just like oh how skilled are you but also you know how do you take advantage of the moment how do you how do you think when you're fighting are you you know are you are you fighting the best you can are you seeing all the opportunities so Mythborn rings very true to people who train because they see the techniques in there and they go oh I know exactly how that was thrown I know exactly how that was executed and yeah that would have killed someone. <laughs> Okay, so would the move described actually work in the real world? Oh yeah, absolutely. In fact, uh, it's a funny story, but one of my um, one of my investors um, actually had me dumb down some of the descriptions a little bit because he was worried about um, you know liability if I actually explained how to do the technique so exactly that someone would go out and try it and either hurt themselves or hurt someone else. Um, you know, that they absolutely would work. Um, there's very little, um, magical combat in the sense that like a fireball flying out and blasting somebody it's, you know, there is that, but there's more of actual, um, hand, wrist, leg and arm locks, um, and infighting that happens based on leverage and based on, you know, grappling techniques. Now, as a fan of martial arts, I found this very interesting, by the way. So, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> you're welcome. I, I love the martial arts mixed in with the fantasy realm. So, yeah, I, I thought that you know people lacked. I mean, you know, the fun part in any kind of fantasy is essentially, will your hero live or die? And if there's no danger to them, if you know that they're essentially, you know, Conan in a Conan story, you're not worried about Conan dying. You know, um, I wanted to create a little bit more danger. Um, I also wanted to make sure no one got comfortable with any of the characters and, and, and the fact that they might die. So, you know, when you read the book, it, it definitely, I think, I've been told at least, it, it's a, a little bit of a cliffhanger in each part and uh, people do, are on the edge of their seats because they never know what I'm going to do. Okay. So as an author that you have lived in this universe, you're working on your third book, I see. Why do you think people should read Mythborn in the series? I mean, I know why um, I want to read yeah. it, but... <laughs> <laughs> so actually I'm working on the fourth book. The third book is in the shoot right now at Amazon. It'll be out uh July eighteenth uh on Amazon. So um hopefully, you know, people will be able to pick it up um or come to our website at www.mythbornmedia.com um and check it out. Uh but um I'm working on the fourth book. I do live in the universe. <laughs> Why should you read it? I you know, I will tell you, I think um 
So here's the funny thing that's different about – I think about my book than anyone else's. Um, I grew up with a lot of strong women in my life. I grew up with uh, you know, women who didn't – my sister, my mom, uh, unfortunately my wife. <laughs> all of them are really, really, really confident and really, really focused. And, um, you know, you don't get away with stuff, and you can't blame things on gender, gender biases, nothing. And I spent a lot – I, I just don't have that in my psyche at all. I, I think of people as competent or incompetent, um, smart or not smart, brave or not brave. I don't think of them as men or women. I think of them as people who have their own flaws. And so when I wrote Mythborn, I wrote it to really speak to – the powerful women out there and, and the chance that they have to make a difference and the fact that the world really shouldn't gauge them on a different standard than men. When I came up in the martial arts, my karate instructor told me, I don't care if you're a boy, a girl, a child, you all take the same test. When you get a black belt, you all have the same black belt. You pass the same test. There's not a girl test. There's not a boy test. There's not a kid's test. You all pass the same test. You're all black belts. And, and I grew up with that mentality. So for the first time, I feel there's a fantasy that's been written that really captures that kind of uh, egalitarianism and makes everyone equals. And, and yes, there are dumb people in the, sh in the book. There are people who are not competent, but it's not based on gender or race. It's based on themselves. And so I think when you read it, you, uh, you get this vision of a fantasy world in which, in my book, the main, quote, antagonist is a woman. One of the main driving forces in the good, you know, the protagonist is a woman. One of the main people driving all the plot forward is a woman. And my book passes the Bechdel test where two women, in movies at least, where two women – talk to each other and not about a man. I, I passed that because my book isn't about um, trying to cater to what I think of as an 80s level of uh, misogynism and, and you know horrible kind of stereotypical behavior, and instead focuses on competency and on intelligence and on bravery and on awesomeness. And you find that in my book, regardless of gender or race. And I think that's special, and I think that's different, and I think that opens up the book and the fantasy world to something better. That's a long answer, I think, right? <laughs> no, it's not a longer answer. It's a perfect answer. <laughs> it really is. more the detail that you can give me makes me want to read the book more. Now, oh, here's something I, I'm reading and I'm completely captivated by, Captivated by was that you're also the designer for the iconic Outer Scrolls, which not only do I play, but I'm obsessed with. How did that in go to your vision for Mistborn? Yeah, you know, or listen, so um, go to the I, I, or? Uh, I'm sorry, say the last part. Is Mistborn going to be out as a game soon, maybe? <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, first, I mean, the first part of the question, Elder Scrolls, uh, a young, naive 19-year-old boy that was me, uh, along with a programmer named Julian and a great designer, a guy named Ted, we built uh, the Mythborn 
universe from the ground up. I must have written close to five novels worth of backstory in order to build the Elder Scrolls. And I'm sorry, I might have said Mythborn earlier. I meant Elder Scrolls. So, um, you know, we built the Elder Scrolls from the ground up, and, and we, you know, we spent summers, I mean, I'm sorry, years, sitting outside talking about how the universe would grow, you know, how to build it. Uh, we all were employees at Bethesda Softworks. Um, and Bethesda has done this incredible job of taking all that and continuing this amazing series they've built into a worldwide, I think, the number one role-playing game that's out there for the computer you know, space, for the PC space. And so, um, you know, I have nothing but pride for what I started and for what has happened since I left Bethesda. When I started Mythborn, I really thought to myself, um, I used all the lessons I had learned from um, the uh, from the um, what's called from my um, time in, as a game designer, and I realized that um, you know I I definitely could spend more effort and time into the backstory, and that would make the front story, the story that that you as the reader read, that much more in-depthful, I mean, in, have, in de- have depth, and so insightful and have depth. And so I spent a lot of time, and when I say a lot, I mean um, maybe 10 years uh, with Mythborn in my head, writing backstory, writing things that I knew the universe would need, writing things that I knew would be interesting. And as I did that, and as things coalesced, the story of Mythborn emerged out of that. And um, for those who don't know, you know, I, I gave you the synopsis earlier of a boy looking, you know, looking to try and save himself from being um, killed. In fact, there's a much larger world and meta story happening um, that I think really comes into focus as you finish book one and get into book two, where you start realizing not everything is what you think it is. Uh, you know, magic might be based on forgotten technology, nanotechnology. Um, these people in this world, they may not actually be what we would consider alive. Maybe they're sentient AI. Um, maybe the world, maybe this whole world is actually a colony project that didn't actually work. And these beings, these myths that are being born, they're born from the colonist dreams. And so as you start diving into Mythborn, there's layers and layers that I've built that I think create a very rich world are very rich experience and it's absolutely going to be a video game um you know we are going to build something that's an interactive storyteller for the amazon alexa uh we're going to build a uh, what i would love to build is a uh turn-based sort of tactical combat game like xcom 2 uh and uh obviously uh, and very very really a a a straight-on you know deep uh enormous epic role-playing game. So, um, you know, it's, it's my ballywick to do that. I've done 85 video game titles. I've generated over a billion dollars in revenue for the titles that I've created. And um, I have the best game developers in the world ready to build Mythborn the game. Um, so I'm pretty excited about that. And, um, you know, fans, if, you know, as you get into my world, just know there's not, uh, it's not, What's on the surface is just scratching the surface. In, in reality, there's an iceberg below that water of work that I've done to make this, this world come to life. So with everything you have going on in the works, 
how um, important is your media company, like Dawn's Life, that I believe you work with, in, involved with the developing of possible movies or cinema or video games or what have you going on behind Mythborn? Yeah, great question. Look, I mean, Dawn's Light has been uh, the angel in the darkness that's holding the light up, right? They, uh, you know, Mythborn was a labor of love, and, you know, I did really well as an indie author with Mythborn uh, to the tune of, you know, somewhere around 70 or 80,000 units uh, of Mythborn sold originally, but we really focused on, when, when, when Dawn's Light got involved, we took everything back to the drawing board. Um, we had professional editors step in, uh, you know, because of the new funding. We had um, really great talent come in and say, hey, my only job is to make VJ's gold into jewelry, right, if that's a good an- analogy, right, taking that gold bars that I had created out of Mythborn and really f- fine-tuning it into something beautiful, beautiful and sharp and polished. And, and they've done that, right? So the re-release of Mythborn, the launch of Mythborn now – uh, represents um, not just years of work from me, but uh, also two, three, four different editors involved in making sure that every piece of the story is correct, that it works well. And as they do that, Dawn's Light is brought to the table um, people, showrunners and agents and other people that can drive the Mythborn. Uh, franchise into the public eye through different media. So um, I, you know, I, I can't be anything but thankful and, and frankly, you know, in awe of what Alex Ferguson, uh, the president of Dawn's Light, has done to build uh, a venue for artists like me. I mean, I, I, I think there's great work out there. I think there's great artists out there. Most of, most of us never get heard of because we don't have a vehicle like Dawn's Light to drive great work up into the limelight and uh that's exactly what dawn's light is you know they they pull us up out of the shadows and into the light and i think his company is really aptly named right dawn's light he brings us up you know up into the dawn that is a perfect name for the company you're working with and there are so many artists authors and so forth out there that need companies like Don's Flight to get their work out there. Yeah. So I'm glad you fell in with them. Yeah, I got lucky. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you said your na- last name is Lucky, so there you go. Yeah, Lucky Luxford. <laughs> it's amazing how lucky, you know, how much my luck and uh, has has been um, – has been in line with my effort. <laughs> it's so strange that the more effort I put in, the luckier I seem to get. <laughs> there, there you go. Luck is hard work that's behind that that's good right. luck. <laughs> it's a five, five so, years to be an overnight success. <laughs> some people it takes 30, so it, it's right. all in perspective. <laughs> okay, so that's I'm right. reading through, through things, and you have a quote in – one of your books that says everyone might be seen as evil from a particular perception. What does that mean, and who is the bad guy in Mythborn if there is one? Well, you know, what's, what's great is um, it's true, right? I mean, 
what I realized, what I hated in fantasy was this um, penchant for stories to be written in which what I call there's a white room syndrome. And what I call white room syndrome is the backdrop of the room and what's going on around the character, they're all just created to give that character a chance to say some lines. Um, so a great example is if you look at that um, scene in Lord of the Rings when uh, Saruman uh, is standing in that tower and he's, you know, uh, looking for the ring and he's by himself in that black room. I, I wondered to myself watching that scene, like, what happens when the camera cuts? Like, does he go, oh, man, I got to walk down 100 flights of stairs to get lunch? Or does someone bring lunch up to him? Like, I mean, how does it work, right? How, does, how is that a real place? Because it, did, right. it seemed fit. It seems like a place that just, like, you just, you're just stuck in that tower. And if you kill everyone who shows up with bad messages, like he was doing, uh, who's going to come up those stairs? Nobody. You're stuck. Right? So um, I hated that. I hated this idea that there are these bad guys who are bad for the sake of being bad. What I wanted was someone who was bad but they're bad because they have a motivation that to them makes complete sense. And that is my main antagonist, Lady Lilith, a celestial goddess of the world of Arcadia. She um, is the ruler of her people called the Eris. And they're like, they're like unseen sort of genies or their spirits. And eons in the past, they and the people of Eden were all one. They were all combined and you know they were the will if the people were the way right they were the they were the voice and the people the power right they they were together and they they worked together to sort of enact their abilities and and things like that and they were the, the silent partner on your shoulder you know the, the thing inside of you that gave you the ability to do the things you did something happened and they all got separated and now the heiress exist on their own and and Lilith, as leader of the heiress, she, her people are somewhat at the whim of the dreams of Eden. When, when the people of Eden believe in a god, that god as an, is an heiress. He becomes more powerful or she becomes more powerful. When they stop believing in a god, um, she disappears. He disappears. They, they lose their families. They lose their lives. They are at the whim of these people um, who are dreaming you know, their, their existence. And so Lady Lilith wants to stop this. And, and so when the books start, you see her as this, like, demon queen possessor. But as you get to know her, you start to see she wants freedom for her people, freedom from the, the shackles that are being cast upon them by the dreamers of Eden. And she'll do anything to get it. Uh, she will sacrifice almost anything to get it. And, and after a while, you start to realize that she's – I mean uh, – your heart goes out to what she's trying to accomplish. And I think, you know, and she's incredibly competent and she's sad and she's brilliant and she's, you know, torn and she's trying everything she can do. And she doesn't take second place as a victory. In her mind, she has to free her people. And once you realize that, is she the bad guy at that point? I don't know. I don't think she, I don't know. I would do what she did. I mean, that's how I wrote her. I wrote her like, what would I do if my people were were trapped right. in, a, in right. existence? Is she the bad guy or is she just a victim of circumstance? 
That's right. That's exactly right. And so um, you nailed it. And so, you know, I no. So I don't know if there's a, quote, bad guy. And then there's another entity in the world called Sovereign. And Sovereign wants to remake the world entirely. And at first you think, well, that, that's typical ultimate bad guy, you know, plot. He wants to destroy the world. But as you learn more, you realize, hey, the world isn't what it should have been. And Sovereign knows it. He knows that something happened in the past that split the heiress and the people of Eden, and he wants to fix it. But he can't fix it the way it is now because everybody's using the way, which is like the force in Star Wars. It's the way. that Everyone's using the way, and they're depleting that energy. And so he's like, look, the only way I can fix things is to, to redo it. Now, yes, these people will die, but all the people that I'm, you know, charged to protect, who are still asleep, who are still available, who are still not been woken and, you know, uh, allowed to take on this world and this challenge, I, I'm keeping them and their needs alive. Is he evil now? I don't know. He, he, he's definitely evil compared to the people in the book who don't want to be remade and forgotten, you know. Yes, in that sense, he, you don't want to be the people on Eden because he's going to remake the world and you're gone. But his goal isn't just, oh, I just want to kill everything to kill everything. He, he wants to do the right thing also. Right. And I, and, I think, and I think that doing the right thing is the point. That's the place where, where real drama happens. Everybody's trying to do the right thing as they see it. Right, and everyone has a different perspective of what the right thing is. That's right. Exactly so right. That, that quote works very well, and you gave us two examples of your quote-unquote bad guy or evil villain. <laughs> right. <laughs> so In fact, have, the hero of the story, the hero of the story, Eric, he might end up being the bad guy. Really, in the end of the day, he might end up being the true bad guy, because he's the one who might stop both of them. Does he, does he create a world that doesn't move forward? Does he allow people to be possessed by the heiress? Um, you know, if he chooses the wrong thing the wrong way, he will end up being the bad guy of this world. That's an interesting Even though we rooted for him through five books. <laughs> so we, we're working on five. How many books? Do you envision this being? Well, I'm working on book four, and that'll be uh, out the end of this year. And book five will conclude the series. Uh, and okay. then I have written enough backstory that the next series, tentatively called Techborn instead of Mythborn, will start um, you know early next year. So I think five books in this series of Mythborn, and. Um, you know, again, I, I urge people go to www.mythbornmedia.com, which is M-Y-T-H-B-O-R-N-Media, M-E-D-I-A.com. And, you know, check out the full story. But, yeah, five books uh, in this series. Uh, the fourth book will be out in about a few months, and uh, the fifth book early next year. Aside from mythbornmedia.com, can your readers get a hold of you via Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or any other media outlet? Yes. So um, I'm V Mythborn on Twitter. Um, you can go to Facebook and type in Mythborn, and uh, our site will show up on Facebook, Mythborn Media. Um, 
you can get me on Instagram, uh, and I and I believe that's uh, the Mythborn there also. Um, so you, if you do a search for Mythborn, M-Y-T-H-B-O-R-N, on all the social channels, uh, our our channels will show up. Uh, we plan to have a Patreon page very soon. Uh, the audio book just got finished, so Mythborn 1 will be in audio and released um, pretty soon. We're just going through our post-audio production on that to make sure that, you know, all the sound tastes, you know, sounds right. <laughs> and um, for lack of a better word. And, uh, you know, we plan to release the audio book episodically, chapter by chapter on Patreon. Uh, so, you know, I, I would say if you're interested, go to Amazon. I mean, go to MythbornMedia.com, find out about us, and then from there, click our link to Amazon so that we get a little, you know, a little penny from Amazon saying we sent you there. That would help us out. Um, <clears throat> and check out the book on, on Amazon, and, and you know, uh, we'll be making announce Join our fan club, and we'll be making announcements and letting people know when Mythborn will be available. That sounds excellent. Unfortunately, we're almost out of time, so I wanted to Aww. thank you so much. Yeah, 30 minutes goes by so fast when you're having fun, and it's an intriguing it's conversation. So you're a great interviewer, so I really appreciated your time. Oh, thank you. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about Mythborn and everything you're doing. I can't wait for the video game to come out. Um <laughs> Yeah, Someone um, said I took 35 million kids out of school, so i got to pay back that bit of bad karma by doing something good, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, I author, interviewer, blogger, whatever, but I also do video games, so <laughs> awesome. can't, wait, can't wait to add to my game library. So thank you, and for this episode of Author Talk, good night, Atlanta, and... Hear you tomorrow. Thanks, guys. Sleep well, Atlanta. <laughs>